So I hope you're all doing well. If you're visiting us this morning for the first time, you're very warmly welcome. And if it's more than once you've been here, then you're still welcome, of course. And for everyone joining us online, it's great to have you with us as well. Spending some time with us. Well, yes, Chloe's mentioned already that it was Shrove Tuesday and Tuesday, Ash Wednesday and Wednesday, the start of Lent, the lead up to Easter. And today we're going to start our Easter series. Can you believe it? Halfway through February and we're talking about Easter already. So, wonderful. So, let's crack straight on with it, because I'm going to be talking about Palm Sunday, all right, which is the week leading up to Easter. So, I want to tell you a very brief story about when I used to work for Calsonic Kanzai, which was a Japanese-owned company back in the day, and uh, there was a Friday coming up where I had to go to um, Hayes, which is off Junction 4A on the M4, to visit Branson Ultrasonics. Um, yes, now, I'd phoned them earlier in the week, and as you can see, I've got a very clear English accent. And um, I said, well, my name's Adam Day, I'm coming up, I've got a, a pre-production build, because they were doing our tooling for us, and when I got there, as you can see, there was a welcome board, welcoming Aaron Dundee. <laughs> now, I shall say this only once, Adam Day, Aaron Dundee. <laughs> Come on now, what's going on here? Now then, to be fair, right, I am, believe this or not, top secret, I'm half Welsh, half English. Born in Wales, brought up. English dad, Welsh mum, on my mother's side. English gran, Welsh grandpa. On my dad's side, English grandpa, Welsh nana. So, proper 50-50 all the way down the way. All right, so... So that is very handy when the Six Nations does come along. And on the odd occasion when England do beat Wales, I do support Wales, I do take that into effect, a softening blow that there is English genetics within. So it's a win-win scenario, all right? So anyway, yes, so this was the welcome that I got, okay? And what they were doing for us, they were doing some pre-production build. They do ultrasonic welding, two plastic parts, pressure together, vibrated a lot till the polymers melt, stick together, and then you got part of this assembly. Anyway, won't bore you with the details. So I had to do that, go up there on the Friday, come back on the Friday ready for the um, workshop guys to build up the components. What I found interesting was there was a good effort in welcoming me, to be fair, but the details weren't quite fully, you know, rewarding and welcoming, because then I had to pretend and hide my badge, because it had Adam Day on my badge. It was like, hello, Aaron, Dundee. <clears throat> okay, so we're looking at the Palm Sunday story, and of course, many of us would have heard this story many a time, and it is, we find the account in each of the Gospels, I'm not going to read them all out in every different translation, etc., 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 you are welcome to do that later if you want. But Palm Sunday marks the day of Jesus' returning to Jerusalem, the Jewish feast of Passover was taking place, and many had gathered into that place. And we read that he rode into the city on a donkey, and it was kind of like symbolizing a king coming in peace, and the crowds put palm trees and branches down before him and welcomed him as King Messiah. But what were they expecting? So he was coming as a king in peace, and he was kind of fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah about how the king would come um, on a donkey, on a colt, uh, into Jerusalem. So he's welcomed, and people are placing palm leaves in front of his path. So there is a welcome going on to the presence, to Jesus, 
and he was being, you know, he was being lifted up as being like the Messiah, but people weren't quite getting it. So what do I mean by that? Well, they were shouting, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And the Hebrew meaning of Hosanna means to save or to, oh, save, or we pray, you know, save us. And what people were expecting at the time was that Jesus would release them from the rule of Rome, okay? But as we know, and as we have the benefit of the New Testament and the, and the, and the message of Jesus, that he came to seek and to save the lost, to break the rule of sin and death over any person, to bring freedom, to bring restored lives, so this wasn't just about Jesus coming to save the Jews. Jesus was coming to save humankind, to help us, to release us from that bondage of, of wrongdoing and what the Bible calls sin, to restore lives. So there was this whole seesaw. This was leading up to the Holy Week, okay? We call it the Holy Week, where Jesus would be crucified and he, of course, raised again. So we see this seesaw of king to crucifixion. And this Palm Sunday account is the start of Holy Week, and here we realize that Jesus is betrayed in this week, and he's tried unjustly and crucified. So that's where we're starting off with the Easter story. So I want to use the Palm Sunday account this morning to inspire us and to help us welcome Jesus into our hearts and lives, because that is our response, just like the, uh, the Jewish community in Jerusalem there, they had some sort of expectation on what they thought the outcome was going to be. But for us as people, we can recognize that we can welcome Jesus into our hearts and into our lives and into our day-to-day -day and into our situations and everything that is going on in our lives. So I want to use Palm Sunday as this kind of launch into what Jesus is doing in our hearts and in our lives. So what are we like as welcomers these days? Welcome means to greet someone with a, uh, uh, someone's arrival with pleasure, with pleasure. So what are we like as welcomers? I'm sure we've all got different experiences of how people welcome us into their presence or into our homes or into a shop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in our house, we have a small group meeting as church with other small groups, and we try to, on a Tuesday, welcome people, no matter the chaos of the day, what the house is like, there is that, um, there's that hour before 7.30 comes, and of course, um, I have a very committed small group friend who is there quarter past seven, is very organized on the dot, and what Shan and I try to do as, a, as, a wel as welcomers is to try and get our house in order, okay? Now, our house is rarely kind of like 100% in order, I'd say it's like 50-50 at the best of times, but... We do make the effort on a Tuesday to, um, especially in the winter, we've got a log burner, we get the log burner going. And then all the various smells of the week, we have a wax burner to kind of overcome the wafts, <laughs> all right? I've got this really good air freshener at the top of the landing, which we use in our bathroom. And what I do is um, I've got this lovely banister, so I've got the air freshener, and I sit on the banister and I slide all the way down while spraying the air freshener to get the aroma into the house. It's nice and welcoming. The shoes and the coats and the bags and everything else that's usually congregated in the hallway, grab that up to the bedroom, lob on the bed. So the house looks really smart. Then in the middle room, I've washed off all the coffee stains and the crumbs from the previous week. 
and the room looks lovely and clean, doesn't it, Sean? Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and then on our TV, we got a screensaver that has like um, a nice like outlook, and depending on the season, we're kind of like springish now, so we have like a log on the screen, and it usually plays soft jazz music. All right, so imagine this now. This is how you're being welcomed if you come into our house. It's good, isn't it? Then, as people, as human beings, Sean and I try to be nice, okay? Because as you know, when you're in, you know, the, the vicinity and with people from church, you've got to be extremely nice, haven't you? And you know, nothing is ever wrong in our lives. We never get angry or cross or, you know, all that kind of thing. So yeah, we put on our best behavior. And we welcome people in and we'll have a coffee, we'll have a tea. Sometimes people bring beetroot herbal tea, which I don't think is a thing, actually. You know, it's just beetroot kind of water, isn't it? Dipped in, like. I, I wouldn't call that tea, but anyway, we have a beetroot tea, some of us. And um, that's it. That's setting the scene for our small group to talk together, to spend time, to have a laugh, to discuss the Bible from the Sunday before, to worship together and to pray together and generally be friends together whilst, you know, loving God and being people together. And that's the kind of welcome that takes place. And for each of us, we've got our own experiences as human beings, how we welcome people. Sometimes we're a little bit more, we're a shyer person, but on a one-to-one, -one, it's very easy. Maybe we're outspoken and we're charismatic and we have a big personality and we find welcoming people a lot easier. But for each of us, we have our own different way of doing things. And I think part of this Palm Sunday is people had a viewpoint of who Jesus is. But Jesus is looking at the welcome of our hearts in our lives and how we respond to his presence and his message and who he is, okay? And uh, that is great to do. And also, we got family members up in Bristol, and Sean and I were always, we love going up to visit Sean's uh, sister and brother-in-law and the two children. And we always get a warm welcome. It's like they're always on it, like Chris is doing the cooking and Sarah is there just behind the scenes sorting things out. And the kids are full of excitement. You know, there's hugs and, you know, they're jumping up and down the walls and all the rest of it because they're so excited to see us from Wales, where, where the Welsh, they speak really properly, by the way, and we come and lower the tone, don't we, Sean? You know, we have to, we don't say cake there, we've got to say cake. So uh, that's the difference, it's a big difference. And uh, Chris is on a great journey of faith himself. He has recently gone to Alpha in Bristol. He's done Alpha there and he's loved it and he's become part of the church there in Bristol, which is really exciting. And I did text them earlier in the week to say if I'm allowed to say that. And they said, yes, so there we go. No more personal details, though. Okay, so it's lovely to be welcomed in. Now, there's some great examples of Jesus being accepted and wonderful consequences of that um, welcome, that people were welcoming Jesus into their everyday. And there's a great verse here in Revelation 3.20. I'll read it for us. Look, I stand at the door and knock, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, I love the language in that verse there, that we see, you know, God knocking at the door of our hearts and there's this friendship, sharing a meal together, a great symbol of friendship, of reality. When we go out and spend time with one another or we meet the family member for a meal or we celebrate, there's this kind of homeliness that God is instilling into our hearts here. And in Revelation, like this book written by uh, John, is to the churches in Asia and believers everywhere. And it reveals the, the identity of who Jesus is. 
the message of bringing hope. And there's all these, you know, there's this great closeness of God. And in this particular bit in chapter three, uh, John, is, he's writing these words to the church in Laodicea, where there was like this complacency and like there was this um, self-satisfaction within the church. And it was like this message of hope, compassion, but also warning as well to them, reminding them that God wants that relationship with us, that we're satisfied in knowing the, the person of God, Jesus, in our hearts, in our lives, that he's welcomed within us. And we read this encouragement word that as we hear his voice and we welcome him in, we like share friendship, we share fellowship with God. Isn't that a wonderful message and reality and truth that God wants to be involved and knowing us at, in an intimate level within our hearts, who we are as people, what makes us tick, our failings and everything else, God is involved in it all. And this is where real satisfaction is found. And that is that encouragement we can take from Revelation. Also, in John 14, it says this, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. So God is establishing his kingdom within us, changing us from the inside. The message of the kingdom is changing and transforming our hearts. So that is the message that Jesus was doing in his ministry, you know, and trying to help the Jewish nation understand the kingdom of God. The message not just for, for Jewish people, for the Gentiles as well. So we know God's love and we can welcome it and his transforming power and grace can fill our lives. It's all about relationship with God. So considering the Palm Sunday events then, how can we cultivate this welcoming attitude to Jesus? And I've got a, some points for us this morning, three points to briefly um, outline some ways in which we can welcome Jesus into our lives. Okay, so first of all then, the first thing that we can do to welcome Jesus into our lives is to express love to one another. And what I've done here is very cleverly, okay, and this is all my own work, is I am going to do the three points with those letters of welcome so it's easy to remember. Do you think that's a good idea? Thank you. Thank you very much. I thought so myself. Now then, sometimes you've got to try and make things stick, see? I mean, you know, with the things that you say and with the things that you illustrate, try and bring things which you can remember. What did Adam talk about on Sunday? I have no idea. But if you remember the word welcome, then you've got a bit of a starter then, because, you, you know, the letters are there, aren't they? Anyway, the big test is on Tuesday in small groups, all right? Okay, so Romans 57 says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. So we're encouraged here in Romans to welcome and accept one another. As we follow Jesus' example, it gives glory to God in a real, authentic way. An authentic way. So how can we welcome Jesus into our lives? Well, we can love one another authentically. That is a great starting point. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I love lots of people, okay? Now, when we consider our lives, we can think of families and friends and colleagues and people, you know, we meet regularly in the shop or down the road at the school gate, etc. And what we can do as believers in Jesus, is to learn to love people and how we can actually do that. 
And it can be a challenge at times. It's not always easy. But also, love can be a choice and a decision. And sometimes our natural response to something, or our first response to something, might be more of a fleshly, like selfish kind of um, attitude. But what God wants to do in our hearts is to really understand what loving one another means. To have this attitude of Christ. Now, sometimes I know in my head that I love people, but not always good at expressing it. And there's room for imp improvement in our words and in our actions. And for all of us here, I'm sure we've got our own story to tell about that. But we can find ways of faithfulness and loyalty and dependability and love towards one another in our life's journey. Now, there's different ways <clears throat> of expressing love. What is love? Well, what is it? We talk about it a lot. Well, in Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church, he suggests a few things about love, and it's a very well-known verse in 1 Corinthians 13. And here are some of the things that Paul says love is and represents. These are the things. Well, love is patience. Love is patience. Now, any of us who are human beings, patience can be difficult and challenging at times. But what does God say about love? Well, it can be a patient thing. And we develop patience within our lives. And if we see there's a trigger in our life that affects our patience, well, what does God have to say about that? Where do I find patience in this situation? Well, love is kind. Love is kindness. When Sarah spoke in the wedding uh, yesterday in her talk, she spoke about if you boiled everything down to love, loving one another, well, it's this, kindness. kindness. If you choose to be kind, you're expressing love in our lives. Paul goes on, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love does not dishonor others, love is not self-seeking, looking out for our own goods. Love is not easily angered, love keeps no record of wrongs. Get the list of all the things you've done wrong in the last 20 years. Love does not delight in evil, Love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. These are the things we can remember to work on, to decide to do, and to grow into. So when we come to welcoming Jesus in our lives, one way is expressing love. And these things we can you know, help grow in our lives. Now, there's some practical methods of expressing love as well. Anyone heard of the five love languages written by Gary Chapman? I love this. American author and Baptist church pastor. He reckons or puts down and says that the kids have these five love languages. And I'm sure, like, we're all grown-up kids, so a lot of this kind of reflects those um, words as well. So there are five different ways that people enjoy to be loved. Words of affirmation, speaking positive words. You look nice. I love it when you make that meal. That top really suits you. You did a great job today. Thank you for all your help. That is really good. So there's w words of affirmation, and we speak those into people. So like I mentioned earlier about sometimes we struggle to express love. Well, one way of expressing love is speaking out words of affirmation. Don't keep life a guessing game. If we don't say the words, quite often people won't know, you know, what we're, what we're doing, you know, that kind of thing. So expressing words, words of affirmation. Acts of service. I like this one. I feel appreciated after a long day at work, come home 
and somehow the kitchen is tidy. If Shan's got home before me, you know, she'll pottle away in the kitchen and get it sorted. If it's I'm home first, you know, I will give it that a go as well. But I, I'm, for, for people who enjoy acts of service being done for them, it is such a wonderful thing. It brings joy. There's nothing more, a better smell than food that's been cooked here. Isn't that nice? Or what about polish? I love polish. If I go into a room and it smells of polish, I love that. All right? I've had a revelation also in the last year. You know, we watch YouTube a lot more now, isn't it? Sean's got into watching Jean-Pierre Chef, okay? French man, Italian and French heritage, lives in Florida, been a chef all his life. Anyway, he, he does like meals and all. Always looks good. Always thought, oh, I'd love to be able to eat that now. Anyway, he has brought this revelation that when he washes his kitchen very professionally, he's always got what he calls a bucket of bleach water, all right? Now, this is a very, very highly diluted bleach water which he uses to clean things, all right? So I thought, I'm going to try that, all right? So I often now will do a bleach water in my kitchen. And what I love about that is it's not too, you know, you know it's overpowering as if you've got too much bleach. But, the, but when I, I'm in washing things like that, I can just have a smell of bleach on my hands. Just a vague, so I'm, I love it. It's really good. It's such a clean feeling. <laughs> and I don't wear gloves. Sean tells me I should wear gloves. This is really highly diluted now, right? So it's not like I'm washing stuff on bleach, no. But Jean-Pierre has revealed this to me. <laughs> right, so if ever I come to your house and there's a, a faint waft of bleach, I'll feel very welcomed. <laughs> okay, so receiving gifts. People like to receive gifts. A thoughtful touch. To, to give, so you know, someone loves receiving a gift. Just to do that one gesture that someone's felt thought of and you know what they like. You know, that is such a lovely thing. And Amazon make it very easy. Don't they? You can, like, sign up something on Amazon, send it to someone else's address, and it's a gift as well. So, you know, it's an easy thing to do. But it takes time. It takes thought. It takes, you know, how can I love someone else and take the time to think about it. Quality time. It's a valuable commodity time, isn't it, in today's busy world, but there are people who love quality time, that one-to-one, -one, that chatting, company with one another, and that is a real love language for many, communication, deepening relationship. And the fifth one here, physical touch, reassuring appropriate physical touch, a hug, arm around shoulder, pat on the back, a high five, a fist pump, etc. Great ways of being, you know, loving one another. Like in a blokey world, I always... You know, I've played sport, football, rugby, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's nothing like celebrating. It's the hug, it's, you know, it's the high fives. It's the yes, you know, we, you know, it's good, isn't it? It's nice, it's appropriate, it's good, we love it, okay? I went to see um, a chap a few weeks ago. Never met him before. Knew a little bit about him. And I was a little bit apprehensive meeting new people, and I'm sure the gentleman was as well. And as I was driving there to meet with him, I felt God say, have an arm wrestle with him. I know, it's tough, isn't it? I was like, oh, no. Surely not. Anyway, so I went in and said, the Lord, da, 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 da. I said, will you indulge me a moment? I was just thinking about us meeting up. I said, will you have an arm wrestle with me? <laughs> and he started giggling. He goes, yeah, sure. And my goodness, he was strong. He was, I didn't have a chance of winning. He was a powerful man. But what I felt was it really broke the ice. And he's a blokey bloke, 
and I'm an arm wrestler. There's nothing more blokey than that, is there? But there's the physical touch. And then there's this achievement that he's just skinned me in an arm wrestle, the sort of winning. And it was a great way to start off our friendship together. And we have met up a couple of times since, and we hope to go for a coffee this week as well. But wonderful, got a chance to pray with him, etc. No church background, knows nothing about God, but he started this journey. Um, appropriate physical touch. So, there's this great verse in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we can read that verse, I think it's just like a wishy-wash, oh yeah, we love one another. But this is actually a command. We are commanded by God to love one another. That means we engage our brains. We engage who we are. We engage in love. And if that is a painful thing to do or something we have to overcome a challenge in our lives, nonetheless, there is no excuse. God encourages us to love one another. So a way of welcoming Jesus is to find ways to love one another. Moving on to the next point, to change opinion. The Palm Sunday account reminds us of how Jesus was viewed and perceived by the Jewish community. And he was one minute treated in this way, and within a week, totally rejected. So Jesus specializes in challenging our opinions. So Romans 12, too, we often uh, hear this verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here we're encouraged to be transformed in our thinking and our understanding of what God wants to do in our lives, to be aligned to God's ways. It takes time and investment, but we're learning to put things into practice. So when we come to faith, God doesn't just leave us there. He wants to do a work in our lives throughout our whole lives. And a lot of that is opening up our thoughts, our lifestyles, and offering them to God and asking for his wisdom and help in our day-to-day, -day, in our lives. And this does take time. And this does take a challenge of opinion at times because God wants to help us and transform us and change you know, the certain things that we think about. So, for example, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin, he recognized something of Jesus, and he wanted to find out more. We read, read that he goes to see Jesus at night. He didn't want his colleagues and peers to know what was going on. And Nicodemus had seen something different about Jesus, and he wanted to find out more. And if you think he's had all this history of religion and following the rules and regulations, but... It was time to change opinion. It was change, time to change what he thought about Jesus and what God was up to. And of course, in that conversation in John 3, we recognize that Jesus' encouragement about like a spiritual rebirth to know the kingdom of God. And he was challenging Nicodemus's thoughts in this. You know, he thought he's a teacher or a prophet, but it was this whole thing about the truth that Jesus is the son of God, that he was going to die on the cross and, you know, help bring freedom to those who believe in him. And evidence suggests, as we've already um, learned in a previous series, that Nicodemus being named, there was a story to tell. And throughout the scripture, we see that Nicodemus stood up for Jesus later on uh, in the temple and later on again after uh, 
the crucifixion that Nicodemus and Joseph went to get the body of Jesus and prepare it for burial. So there was a work going on in him. There was a changing of opinion happening and taking place. So one way of inviting Jesus and welcoming him is to change our opinion on certain things. Now, we um, often see Alpha running here as a church and across the nation. And there are great ways our opinions are challenged. Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? Does God do miracles through us and people today? Jesus said to get baptized. Is that relevant for me? At this particular moment in time or time gone by, we may have had a particular opinion or thought on this. But God is challenging our opinion at times. There are many things that we, our opinions may, be, may, may need to be challenged upon. So that is good to be able to do that. As a teenager, 15 years old, my life was about football and rugby and, you know, just getting through school. You know, PE was good, but that was about it for, for me for school. That's all I liked about it. <coughs> and then there was this whole thing of faith that Sean and I would talk about and we used to argue. And I, I used to think I was a good person. I hadn't killed anyone. I hadn't stolen anything. I was a good person. I'm right before God because I don't do these things. And then... As time went by, God was like revealing what sin is and selfishness is and pride. And, you know, there's many things every day that we kind of slip up with and, and struggle with. And it was this revelation of the need for forgiveness, the need of knowing the heart of God, the need of recognizing the work of Jesus on the cross. And this is where my opinion changed. I changed my opinion of who Jesus is and the message of the good news of him, and it transformed and changed my life. So, to change opinion is okay. It's always good to reflect upon things and try and understand God's perspective on certain issues. And sometimes God wants to grow us in a certain area, but our opinion has to be challenged or worked upon. We have many hot topics in life that we consider God's viewpoint on, relational purity, financial giving, etc., etc., and many other things that we can ask God to help shape our thoughts and opinions on. So in this season, can we think of any of the things that we're thinking about, we have an opinion on, and maybe God is at work in us, challenging us in, growing us in. And like the Jewish crowds on Palm Sunday, each person had their own opinion of who Jesus was. So changing our opinion we can grow our thinking into Christ-likeness, and that is a sign of maturity. Okay, so just moving on. Now, if you're a Marvel fan, there may or may not be Marvel fans here, but in 2019, can you believe it? That's like five years ago. Um, it was a memorable Marvel film. There was release of the film called Endgame, and it was the final film of the 22-film MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe film, okay? It's very exciting for those who, who were into it. I, I was enjoying it at the time. And there was something, and Naomi, my daughter, and I, you know, connect and bond with. We'd go to the cinema and we'd have a, you know, a night together and perhaps have a bit of food, have a coffee, have a drink, and go and watch uh, these films. And the end game was the big one. And this was the remaining Avengers, uh, the remaining Avengers, were uh, due to have like a face-off with a with a body Thanos, because in Infinity War, okay, you still with me? <laughs> in Infinity War, the year before, all right, there was this big boosh, and Thanos, the body, like he he like wiped out half the universe, and 
a lot of the Avengers as well, which is very sad. Like, Naomi was like, this isn't real, Naomi, but she's crying. <laughs> so, but we, you know, you kind of know it's all going to end out all right, isn't it? But it was very, very sad in Infinity War. So the end game came along. And it was like the culmination and the outworking of, like, good the evil. Because we all went good to win in the end, don't we? Yeah? Oh, we got a bit of a sketchy thing going on here. <laughs> yes, we all went good to win in the end. Anyway, and there's this evil. There's always evil, isn't there? And there's, but there's good. And we want the best. So in this end game, okay, it all works out in the end, if you please to know. Thanos gets destroyed. Everything's put right again. The Avengers win. That's good, isn't it? You know, there was some, obviously, collateral damage along the way, which is always sad, but... I mean, it's a film. <laughs> so, the last point that I'm calling, right? You've got to be very creative in using letters for the start of the point. It's a mature end game. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry. Right. You'd be surprised how much thought, prayer, and effort goes into preparing a talk, let me tell you. So another way of welcoming Christ's rule in our lives is to trust him for life, all of our days. Not a season or when things are going my way, but all of our days. Psalm 31, 14 to 15 says this, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, you are my God and my future is in your hands. So when we welcome Jesus into our lives, it is for the long haul. It's for the long haul. And uh, we were praying in the worship earlier, and, and one of the ladies talked about like being on an airplane and coming above the, sometimes the darkness of the clouds and into, when you're above the clouds, the sunlight is there, and you can see clearly. And when I was preparing this talk, I, I had this picture of that long haul flight where you go up and you're there and you see the, you know, the lightness of day and you're above it all. And you're seeing the expanse of the sky and God's creation. God is involved in the long haul of our lives. And that our future is in his hands. And we can put our trust and our hope into him for everything. And put our faith in him always. So our mature end game is trusting God for the whole of our life's journey. And we know challenges and troubles and difficulties come along. We know that. We're human beings. We experience it. Nonetheless, God is at work in our hearts, whispering perseverance, whispering peace, whispering encouragement, helping us in that journey, recognizing that the end game is a good thing to trust in God for. The beauty of eternity, no grief, no suffering, no pain, so no matter how much trouble and strife and grief we deal with in our human condition and in our human day, there's a future and eternity to know God's peace and love and hope and encouragement in. And everything will be okay. And we live with that hope, don't we? We live with that peace. We live with that joy. And part of welcoming Jesus into our lives is having our sight in eternity and our life's journey that we want to live it completely with God. There's the parable that we read in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. And we read that seed is scattered on the path and the birds eat it up. 
and seed is scattered in rocky area where there's no soil and the sun withers it. Some of the seeds go into thorns and they're choked, the plants are choked. And then we read that there's good soil and the seeds fall into the good soil and there's a crop that is 160, 30 times what was sown. A great encouraging parable. And when Jesus is explaining this to his disciples, quite simply, he says it works like this, basically. So the message of the kingdom, the message of Christ, sown into the heart. So when we talk about the, the first uh, part there, about the seed on the path, that, this, that, that the message of God is sown into the heart, but it is it, snatched away, and, and that initial encouragement is taken away. And then the next bit about the rocky soil, and there's, there's no root. Jesus says, you know, people can receive the message with joy, but there's no root. It doesn't go down, and it only lasts a short time. And when trouble comes along, you know, that is it. It's time to, to call it quits. And then there's the, the seeds that fall among the thorns, and the, the plants are choked. Jesus explains that when this happens, it's like the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, it what it says in the Scripture here, chokes the word, chokes that encouraging word, and makes it unfruitful. But then, of course, there is the seed that goes into the good soil, and the message is heard, and it is understood, and it is, when that life is, is, is sown and believed, like if there's this crop, and there's this harvest, and there is this work of God that produces a fruitful crop. So for us, our hearts, let's welcome Jesus with that good soil of thought and good soil of attitude, so that he can continue to produce a fruitful crop within our lives. And that is like an end game thing that we're con continually um, journeying with God in that. So we can be encouraged to be those who receive Jesus and to produce fruit in our lives. And it is important not to take things for granted, but to remember God is good, God is just, God is fair. And it is kind of our responsibility to respond with a faithful heart to him. Okay, and finally, the last little bit here, talking about this mature end game, is I love hearing about transformed lives. People who have been in one place, situation, not knowing or experiencing God in their lives. But then there is this revelation of Christ, and there is this transforming, changing work that he produces within a life. We read earlier about Nicodemus and how he was changed and transformed. We love to hear about the fruit of Tabitha in Acts 9, who was a faithful follower. She, she died and was resurrected, and she continued to love and serve her community. I love the life that, that she led and what was written about her. And I get the impression that these are two good examples of believers, followers, who have a mature end game, living their life serving and following God. But then, I also am in, also interested in those who kind of messed it up along the way as well. For example, Judas, the betrayer, sent Jesus to the cross for cash. Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit and testing God in Acts 5. Ooh, that's a bit of a full-on run. Didn't get a chance to read that. But we're learning lessons, you know, from, from, from people's, like, response to God. They're kind of cutting it short. Alexander the coppersmith, 
I'm very interested in this story. I've got a brother called Alexander. <laughs> Alex, Alexander the coppersmith, a metal worker in 2 Timothy. Paul explains how this guy had caused him a lot of grief and difficulty. And uh, I love how it's put in the King James Version. Paul writes, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Oof. Oof. It's a good one, isn't it? Don't often talk about that kind of thing, but yes. So people who haven't had a mature end game, they've kind of cut God out and kind of gone off the rails a bit and have bish-boshed. Okay, so pulling the plug on God and in a big, heavy way. But we have hope, do we not? The love, the peace, the forgiveness of Jesus when we mess up, when things go wrong, in our human frailties, things happen which we get frustrated about or mess up. But the love of Christ, we welcome him. We welcome him, his peace and his forgiveness, his faithfulness of going to the cross, that we can trust him and know him and put our faith in him. And we just love those words in the parables where we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. To me, that is such a good statement. A life well lived, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant That reminds me of a mature end game. So we can approach life as a marathon race, the start, the middle, and the end, to know God's stamina in it all, that we try our best to avoid hitting the wall, but when we do, learn how to manage that. Know God's peace in every situation. So those are the things hopefully we can glean from the Palm Sunday story. Those things how we can welcome Jesus into our lives to express love one to another, to change our opinion on the things that God wants us to change our opinions on and to have our viewpoint of a mature end game where we're living our total lives for Jesus. Let's pray and I'll hand back. Yes, so we thank you so much that during this time and this season, this Easter season, where we recognize and celebrate your faithfulness, your sacrifice, your goodness, where you've brought us into a relationship with you and that opportunity. We're grateful to your love and your forgiveness this morning, Lord. And we remind ourselves of how we can welcome you into our lives on a daily basis. And even when the feelings aren't there, we can be reassured of your love and of your goodness and of your peace and your hope in our lives, Lord, as we make our hearts vulnerable and open to the work of the Holy Spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. <clears throat>